Heavenly Father, we are grateful uh, for today. And Lord, we are looking to you for the increase in the anointing and in your grace, your enabling to help us understand how we can develop our prayer lives. We ask that you supply the, the, the necessary spirit, Lord, to help us to pursue this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, um, today we're going to look at some of the practicalities in how to um, develop our prayer lives, okay? Um, yesterday we talked a lot about how pain can actually push us um, into a deeper prayer life. Also, passion. Once you're passionate about the Lord and spending time with Him, that can also drive you, okay? But then also, we need to prioritize and you need to pursue and persevere in the whole process. So the first thing that you have to do when it comes to developing your prayer lives is you have to set your affections, okay, on the Lord and on spending time with him, okay? Set your affections on him. The scripture in Colossians 3, verse 1 to 2, says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things which are above, not on things on the earth, okay? Set your affection. See, often what happens is we, we live too much of a natural life. You know, our lives is governed around everything to do with our, our natural needs and our natural pursuits. But we're more than just natural people operating on earth. We are humans with a spirit. And especially as believers, your spirit has been quickened. His, has, it has been made alive unto God. And as a result of that, we now have access to connect with God. And we should live our lives actually out of our spirits, not purely natural. Do you understand? Okay. And so if you, if you want to actually live out that life, prayer is a very critical uh, part of that whole thing. Because to live out your life, you need to live it through the, the lens of the Holy Spirit or the lens of your Heavenly Father. You need to be able to connect with him to, so that he can show you things that naturally you can't see, naturally you can't perceive. Do you understand what is happening? Because listen, you have forces that are fighting you. You have forces that are oppressing you. They're resisting you. They are blocking you. They do not want you to get to your destination. And so if you're living a natural life, they're just going to be slapping you left, right, and center, and you will not have a clue. Do you understand? And so you need to set your affections on things that are above and begin to pursue him so that through that connection, you can live a life beyond the natural means. You need to have spiritual tools. I remember years, years, years ago, I had this dream, and to this day, it's very embarrassing but I will share my embarrassment with you. 
in the dream, this was years ago, um, in the dream, um, there was this enemy that was attacking me. And I was, was, didn't know how to handle him. And I was running off. And he was attacking me. And I was dodging. And then I kept saying, Mommy, Mommy, where's my sword? Mommy, Mommy. And I remember I saw my mom and I was trying to get behind her because I think that my sword was there. Sword being the sword of the spirit. The message was that I wasn't fully equipped. I was not using the spiritual weaponry that God has given me. Do you understand? And just like prayer, prayer is a tool that you can use. And if you're not properly equipped, you will be dealt with severely. But by the grace of God, none of us will be dealt with. Amen. Amen. Because we will pursue the necessary empowerment that we need. So set your affections which are, uh, on things which are above. Psalm 63, verse 1 to 2 says this. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in a sanctuary to see your power and your glory. When you are beginning to develop your prayer life, this must be your heartbeat. You must, you must like thirst for him like, you know, there's, there's no water around. Do you understand? You must be hungry for him. It, it must be so intense your natural body must even feel it. Do you understand? So in other words, as you begin to pursue him, you'll be amazed how emotionally your natural sensual being will begin to adjust. Will begin to adjust to that pursuit. Okay? Set your affections on things which are above. When you're doing this, you also have to correctly assess where you are at. By assessing where you are at, you're measuring your current level of prayer. You're measuring it. And when you're doing this, you have to be very honest because in order for you to um, pursue and move to another level, you need to know where you are at. Do you understand? Okay? So, for example, where I'm currently at, for me, it's insufficient. Okay? I guess even if I was on a higher level, that level if I'm there, would be insufficient because there's a continual growing from glory to glory and from grace to grace. We never arrive. We never arrive. There are depths in the Lord that are waiting for us to access and connect with. And so where we currently are at, we assess it properly and we may find that a spirit of prayerlessness is operating. We may find. And if you find it, you have to say, Father, forgive me. You know why? Because prayerlessness is actually a sin. You understand? Uh, one of the uh, prophets, I believe it is Samuel, he's, he said, basically paraphrasing, that it would be a sin if I don't pray for you. Do you understand? Because we need to understand the power of prayer. And once you understand it, you realize, my goodness, what an awesome privilege that we have. I heard one man of God put it like this, okay, that... Um, Without man, God cannot. And without God, man cannot. God has deliberately limited his dealings on earth to our prayers. He's limited it. And 
the reason why that is actually in play is because he gave man the authority of the earth. We're the ones who have dominion. We have authority. Do you understand? You know, it's, it's, if you look, God, uh, when he made man, it says in uh, Genesis chapter 1, it says he made male and female, he made man, male and female. And then, so in other words, he created the spirit part of man. But then when he, when he recreated the earth, to put man on the earth, man needed a body. God needed to give man a body, otherwise it would have been a spirit floating around on the earth. So that's why you have human, it's a humus man. Humus coming from earth, dirt, soil. So is the, is the, is the earth tent? and man being the spirit together. And that's why now the spirit man is able to operate in this natural realm, okay? Now, when the devil came and he hoodwinked man and woman, Adam and his wife, the scripture says that God said to uh, the serpent, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. The devil couldn't operate on the earth without a body. So he then went into alliance with the serpent and used that body which came from the earth and aligned himself with the serpent and then beguiled the woman. And so in order now for the serpent to be dealt with, God has to have another authority on the earth. And so he said, the seed of the woman, in other words, I'm gonna get myself another body, another man, another spirit man in a human tent who's gonna bruise your head. In other words, I'm going to operate legally because I can't just come into the earth. I can't just enter in. And so I'm gonna work with the woman, the same woman who started this whole ball game will be the same woman who I'm going to bring the salvation of the whole earth. Very powerful. So you have to understand what you carry is a serious level of authority. You can shift things. You can change things through your prayer life. You can. And that's why we have to develop it. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus had a very highly developed prayer life. And hopefully we'll touch on it as we look at it later on. So you must set your affection on things above. So that you can be the spirit man that is operating on the earth legally. That's why the keys of the kingdom has now been given to us. Where you can bind and you can loose and you can cast out. In my, name you in, my, in my name you cast out devils. You lay hand, the sick, lay hand on the sick. You drink any deadly thing and you, you, it shall not harm you. We now have authority. I pray that you will use this fresh grace that is coming upon you. I really believe fresh grace is coming upon us. There is, this is a season. The Spirit of God is saying, come. Come higher. Receive fresh anointing to press in in prayer. And operate in the authority that God has given you and I. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. 
The second area is this. As you now set your affection and you're desiring, the second thing is ask God to give you an increase in the grace and the anointing of prayer. Okay? You see, prayer is a, is a spiritual activity. And because it's a spiritual activity, there is grace that is attached to it. There is spiritual power that's attached to it to enable you to uh, grow in it or to be uh, fruitful in it. So you ask the Lord, Father, give me grace. Give me grace to pray, to pray more, to pray more effectively. Give me an anointing to pray. You know, praying is a spirit. There's a, or rather, there's a spirit of prayer that is available. Zechariah chapter 10, 12 rather, verse 10, says this. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Isn't that wonderful? And so therefore you say, Father, please pour on me the spirit of prayer. Pour it on me. Release it on me. Lord, I want to see it in my life. Increase it, Lord. No matter where you are at, I believe you should be praying for it. I continue to ask the Lord. And also, as a pastor, I pray for my church. Let the spirit of prayer increase upon my church. We have heard this many times before, that um, prayer meetings um, are the least attended meetings in a church. And yet, it is the place where it's where we have the most power. Mm. Prayer. I was talking to Pastor John yesterday. We had a good old chat with Esther. We're talking about praying. We're talking about revival. And it's really a really good conversation. And one of the things we talked about, Pastor John was mentioning how you had Charles Finney. Now, Charles Finney, an amazing man of God. Listen, the anointing this man carried was so powerful. He brought revivals into regions, into towns, into cities. There was one time he came into a factory and they were working. And as he came in, the power of God came and it fell on the factory workers. And everybody started, all the workers started feeling a dread in the presence of the Lord. And they began to weep and they began to repent. And guess what? They had to shut down the whole operation. The plant had to be shut down because people were messed up. They were weeping, they were crying, they were repenting before God. And the manager was very unhappy because, of course, production was now <laughs> zero. Because Charles Finney, carrying the very presence and the very anointing of God, came into that place. I heard one story about how he, he was on a train and he drove through a particular town. As he drove through a town, people were being slain in the spirit, slain in the spirit, repenting, crying out to God. Power. Now, could you imagine whether you are a businessman or whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a politician or whether you're a teacher or whether you're an engineer or whether you are in the trades, whatever it is, whether you work in a stock exchange and you are walking with the living God and he gives you insight. And then as you're trading, things are not going well, you know. You're noticing the way the market is looking volatile. It's hard to read because of where it's a weird season. Do you understand? You know, you've got uh, uh, inflation all over the place, interest rates all over the place. Everything, it's uncertain. And then you're saying, Father, what do I do here? And then the Spirit of God drops into you. Do this. 
And as you begin to say, say Father, you sure? But Lord, this is a bit bizarre. And then you go with it. As you do it, what do you find? You find that you are going against where the market is going. The market is going down, but your, your stocks are going up. Your investments are going up. Why? Because of connection and anointing. Insider training, it is, ah, but not the law of God. <laughs> In fact, the law, how did they assess that? You know, they come to you and say, you know, this is, you say, this is insider training. They say, right, trading rather. And they say, right, we'll arrest you. Where's the evidence? Well, I was on my knees in the office. <laughs> I began to pray. They, they, was, they would, they, I tell you, it took, they, my friend, get out of here. There is great, listen, the scripture says about um, Isaac. It says there was famine in the land. And he sold in a season of famine. And he got a hundredfold return. Hundredfold. Yeah, we need that anointing. And the only way you can have it is as you allow God to draw you into his inner sanctum and you connect with him. Now, what I wanted to say about Charles Ness was this. Uh, of... Um, Charles Finney uh, was this. He had an intercessor called Charles Nash. Okay? Father Nash, sorry. Charles Finney had a, a, an intercessor called Father Nash. What Father Nash would do is he would go into a, a, a town or city or region where Charles Finney was going to go and minister and he would pray. And he would pray and he would intercede for the people and he would pray until the atmosphere was conducive. And then after that, that's when Charles Finney will come and he will preach a revival and the whole place will be turned upside down. In our discussion yesterday, we said that Charles Finney's ministry began to go down once Father Nash died. There is a direct correlation to your effectiveness in prayer and your success. Direct. This area we must not joke with. It is a, it is a key for us. Charles Spurgeon, he said, he said that, listen, when people come, I'm set on fire. So I preach a storm and set men on, also on fire. They said, what is your secret? And after he made that statement, he said, apart from that, it's not in my doing. Under the stage, I have seven old women praying for me. So while the meeting is going on, they're praying. They're praying. They're praying. Bishop uh, Duncan Williams, I like this statement he's made. He says, what he does is he prays unto a situation is prayer conditioned. You condition a situation with your prayer. You pray, you pray, you condition it. Women, you know when you condition your hair. I condition my hair, condition it. I use Chiron, I condition it. And I find it's, it's a little bit nice and soft. Do you understand? Condition. You, 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 in other words, you render that thing to a particular influence. So we are rendering a circumstance, a business deal, a pursuit in life to much prayer. 
Ask God for an increase. Ask him, give me an increase, Lord. Give me an increase. Now listen, you probably six months, you're not seeing anything. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because the scripture says in Matthew chapter, I believe is, is it, uh, is it seven? It says, ask and you receive. And I believe in Luke, it says, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. So you keep on, Father, give me an increase. Give me an increase in prayer anointing. The next thing is this. In fact, in James chapter one, let's read a scripture. I'm going to try and read a lot of scriptures just to help us. James chapter one. Verse 5 and 6, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay? As you ask God, if we lack wisdom, ask him and he'll give it to you. But I believe this applies to other things as well. Do you understand? Especially prayer. Jesus says this, men ought always to pray and not lose heart or not faint or not become discouraged. So ask him. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Repeat after me. I shall receive an increase in grace of prayer. It will be given to you. Amen. Amen. Let him ask in faith, believing. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The next thing, the third thing is this. You've got to set a routine. When we're talking about developing your prayer life, okay? There has to be a form of structure. Do you understand? Because there's a pattern you need to follow. Do you understand? There's, there's, a, there's a system, so to speak, that you need to see daily, and I can prove to you in scripture, where we have different uh, uh, characters in the Bible who had this. The scripture says that Daniel prayed three times a day. Let us read it. It says here, Daniel chapter 6, 10 to 12, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees, three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since his early days. So in a time when Daniel was about to enter severe persecution because of his prayer life, because of his stance for God, he continued in that process because they had set uh, uh, um, a law within the Medes and Persians that anybody who worships anybody else apart from uh, the, uh, the, the king of uh, Babylon at that time, okay, the king of the Medes and Persians rather, what they were going to do is they put it in law that that person should be killed, thrown in. In spite of persecution, his prayer time and prayer life was so important. I don't care what they've written. I must still worship the living God. I must still serve God. I don't care what oppression, what force comes against me. And it's important that when you begin this journey, that whatever pressure is coming against you, you keep focused because you shall break through. Because the scripture says that as was his custom in early days, in other words, from his, who knows, maybe his teen years, 
his teen years, because certainly when they were carried into, uh, into uh, captivity with, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were like teenagers. And he, you see from the early days about how he, he had a fasted lifestyle. And so he kept this routine. So if you want to develop your prayer life, you've got to build a routine. Okay? And you've got to protect that routine. All right? Now, that routine would involve, like, for example, your early morning devotions. You wake up in the morning, you spend time with the Lord. It would include lunch, praying at lunchtime. Remember I was telling you, that's what I did. You know, I would pray in the morning, and then at lunchtime I will pray. And then when I come home, sometimes I would pray. Now, um, Pastor Joe... Um, lived with us, uh, we, myself and Zen, and one other um, brother in the Lord, we all lived together. And so what would happen, I remember one time, uh, Pastor Joe would wake us up six in the morning to do early morning prayer meeting. So this online thing, my friend, it is not something you, we were doing it 29 years ago. Wow. Yeah, 29. You know, you have nice sleep beaming, you know. I was cuddling my teddy bear. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> and then, Phil, get up. Zen, get up. Oh. And then we you know, go downstairs into the living room. And then by the time, you know, you, you, you have a little bit of motion, then you get into it. One time it was summer. And, you know, it was hot in the morning, so we had the windows open. And, you know, I don't know, it must be a black thing, but we've just felt God will hear if you pray loud. So, you know, do you understand? If you pray soft, he's going to have to go, huh? What? <laughs> Zen myself and, and Pastor, Pastor Joe, we'll pray. Praying. And we heard a tap on the door. Six something. <laughs> tap on the door. And it was a woman in her nightgown. She said, She's, she's so flabbergasted. And do you know what? She lived across the road. She said, look, I, I know you guys are praying, but is there any way you can bring it down? She said, my room, I don't understand, my room is at the back of the house. <laughs> and she heard us. <laughs> now, there was an element of volume, but I think that was, she was being disturbed spiritually. But, you know, we've matured now. <laughs> you understand? We whisper, we know the Father hears us. Amen. Amen. And we used to pray a lot in those times. And so we have, you have these set times. I had a set time in the morning, okay? And I remember one time um, I, I, I went out with a friend of mine, good friend of mine, Austin. We went to watch Kickboxer. This is Van Damme. Probably the first time Van Dan came, you know, and also he said, Phil, man, come check this. It was really good. I watched it the other day. It's is the truth. It was you, my friend. It was you. It was you. It was you, my friend. <laughs> we, and, you know, you know, we're into martial arts and all that kind of stuff, you know, so, hey. And um, nothing funny about the film in terms of sexual anything. Nothing, nothing, nothing like that, you know. But interestingly, 
when we, there was, I was loving it because I used to do a little bit of martial arts. I was loving it. And then I was watching, enjoying it. And I turned and Austin was sleeping. Bam! 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 It was deep. So I just, I'm watching it. Following day, in the morning, went to have my time with the Lord. And as I was praying, and I was thinking, mm, what's happening? I'm, getting, I'm not getting through. I'm thinking, oh. And I still continue my time. I said, I don't get this. I'm not getting through. So, finished my time. Came downstairs. Was pouring a bowl of cornflakes. Pastor Joe was in, in the kitchen. And uh, he looked at me. He said, ugh, Phil. I said, what do you mean, ugh? He said, Phil, you look like you've got something hanging on you. What you been up to? I said, bro, I ain't been up to anything, bruv. I ain't been up to anything. Well, actually, I didn't use bruv then, you know. But um, I haven't been up to anything. And then he said, nah. And he just turned away. He was, you know, eating his breakfast, you know. I mean, it's really nice, isn't it? Instead of good morning, as is customary done, it's like you look at the person and go, Ugh, and then you continue. I mean, you know. So, and he said, what have you been up to? And then he just continued. And then I thought, that film. Because I remember there was a part in the film where Van Damme, he was training and he went into these ancient ruins. And in the ancient ruins, as he was training, now you know he's the one that sent me there. Now you know. Evidence! <laughs> Witnesses, anyway. <laughs> and he was training. And as he was training these ancient ruins, he was having flashbacks of a, a, a battle that took place thousands of years ago and it was like so there was like some sort of spiritual connection so he kept going there and and doing that and training and obviously he was getting energy energy and whatever from that and so in a in a film where there was no chichibuchi you know chichibuchi is nothing like that nothing no chichibuchi no nothing nothing right okay you know you know, punching people, you know, teeth full of, well, there was all of that, but you know, but nothing like that yet. That had a major effect on me. So in the morning now, I'm now trying to pray and I can't break through because I had opened myself up ignorantly, ignorantly. And so when he said that, I did an about turn and I went back upstairs and my prayer now changed. Because before it was, oh Lord, I love you, I adore you, it's beautiful. And then when I went upstairs, I said, hey, I rebuke you, get off me, you foul spirit, you martial arts, go in Jesus' name. And I began to war and fight war, and as I began, boom, I broke through. And then I felt a lightness in my spirit, and I came down to finish my conflicts. And Pastor Joe had finished, and he looked at me, and he went, that's better. And after I finished, come and see when I was going to the station, there's a lightness in my <laughs> Prayer. Unbeknown to me, I contracted something. Prayer and authority in God's word shifted it. You must protect your time. Now, if I didn't have a, a, a devotional time, I didn't have a devotional time. Or if I had a very weak devotional time. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I'm now going for the train, please let British Road be on time so that I can, in Jesus' name, amen, let it be good at work and come home. And then, you know, you know the microwave that we have done. 
That spirit is just, ah, oh, this is a great place to live. I'm being serious. This is good here. Devotions. Lunchtime. As I shared. Lunch, I didn't joke with that. It's only now that I work in a church office, um, um, I don't sort of do lunch times as much as because I do other times, okay? And so you've got to set your routine and protect it. Now, part of that routine is the online prayer because that helps. Do you understand? It helps. And so Daniel prayed three times a day. And then we pray once and we think it's enough. It's nonsense. We're kidding ourselves. Jesus had set times. Jesus had spontaneous times and he also had special times of prayer. Let's look at the scriptures. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. It says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. You see that? This was something the Lord did regular. So which means he probably woke up a long while before day. So day probably, day break, let's say it's what, six? Five, six. That means um, he was up probably three or four in the morning. Four. Because he was praying through into the day. You need to understand that demonic powers, powers rather, are operating you know, in, in, the, in the night. The scripture says, while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And so while we're just enjoying, that's when the enemy comes in the cover of dark and begins to sow things into your life to hinder you. And so it is healthy for us if we have the ability to begin to orient our lives in such a way that we can wake up early and pray through and undo what has been done, uproot what has been put in. Do you understand what I mean? Jesus had set times. He also had special times. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night to God. All night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from, and from them he chose 12 whom he had also named apostles. And so we see here he had special times. All night prayer meetings. All night prayer meetings. Let me encourage you. When a church sets half night prayer meetings, don't joke with it. Go. Go. Because you're building in yourself a routine to do your own half-night prayer meetings. Um, there was, um, in that season, there was another season which was a bit intense from the one that I had mentioned to you about. And that's when I began to observe uh, these half-night prayer meetings, late-night prayer meetings, okay? Um, but in that, sec- what I, in that season I was telling you about yesterday, I remember I was praying once, praying, praying. And I, I couldn't tell, but 
Then realize I, after I realized, I, I kind of saw in the spirit. It feels like I opened my eyes, opened my eyes. And I looked around the room and I saw a stamp on everything, on the walls, on the ceiling, on the fireplace surround, on the TV, on the chairs, on the curtain, on the literally everywhere. I said, what is it? And I looked closely on the stamp. It said, army of God. Army. Isn't that wonderful? Army of God. The stamp of heaven's approval that he has deployed angels to battle for me. And when you're observing in those times, you're able to deal with certain things. Okay? So set a routine is very important. Okay? Set times, special times, and spontaneous times. Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 41 to 43, also prayed in spontaneity. You can look at that scripture later on. The next thing you should do is you've got to be committed to this routine. Be committed to this routine. Psalms chapter 55 verse 17 says this, Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Evening and morning and, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice voice. As you are uh, determined to move forward, okay, you also should be desperate to keep this commitment, keep this routine. Be desperate, okay? Be desperate. What you need to do is you've got to press in, keep pressing because it will be difficult. It will, you'll feel, oh, it's a bit challenging. You'll feel, you know, like somebody mentioned yesterday, oh, it's, it's, it's a bit boring. And you know, it is. A time of prayer is, is boring, Boring. It's like you're thinking, you know, nothing is happening and this is a bit dry and I don't think I'm going anywhere and oh, this, I'd rather like to do something else. But press in. Press in. Now, as you're pressing in and you are pursuing him, okay, you've got to realize that practice makes perfect. Because the more you're doing it, the more you're practicing. And the more you're conditioning your paradigm and your, and your system, to get used to spending time with the Lord. Do you understand? Okay? So practice will help you improve. Prayer is such an important key. As I mentioned earlier, because we have authority on the earth, we need to exercise this privilege. Okay? The fifth point. When you're spending time with the Lord, learn to share your heart with him. In other words, you pour your heart out to the Lord, okay? So as you're, as you're, you're in his presence and you, you know, you're worshiping him, you'd find that there's things on your heart. So you, you talk to him about it. You share it. You say, Father, you know, this is what's happening in my life. There's issues in my finances. There's issues in my business. There's issues in my marriage. There's issues in my children. And you pour your heart out to the Lord. You pour your heart out. I remember there was a season I needed to pray a lot for uh, on my domestic front, especially the children. Um, I had to pray a lot and I, I kept on praying and praying and praying and praying. There was a season very early on in my marriage as a new husband, I didn't really have a clue. Even after the marriage preparation, 
And then on top of that, because of the fact that I've come from a broken home, I had no modeling in how to be a husband. And so I went before I even got married. <laughs> the praying I prayed, you have no idea. You have no idea the praying I prayed. Every lunch, I used to work for um, a local government in Greenwich. Every lunchtime, I'll be praying. Six months before the wedding day, every lunchtime, maybe one or two I missed. And because you work in local government, you can have flexi hours. So I would have two hour lunch. And it was in, in Charlton. And there's a, the building we're in was near this place, Charlton House, there was a park behind. And I would walk around the perimeter, praying, God, help me. I pray for my marriage. I pray for my wedding day. Lord, will you help me? You know, I don't have a clue. Lord, you know, there's issues in me. Oh, my God, help me. Seriously, I prayed every single day. And guess what? The Lord really heard me and helped me. You know, somebody who was from a broken home. Now the Spirit was beginning to show me how to do marriage as a husband. And it bowled me over things and truths that he showed me in the scripture. I was amazed. And I, you know, applied it, you know. I remember one time I was complaining to the Lord about Sharon. And this was even before we were married. We were, we were engaged, yeah. Lord, you know, they're, they're, same place, Charlton House. No, you know this woman. Oh, God, me. And do you know, as I was, I was going for it, Lord. And then I felt the displeasure of the Lord, strong. And a rebuke from me. How, how dare you complain? When I, I literally stopped. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. And from that, then I learned never to complain to the Lord about her. Never, never would I say, Lord, that woman you gave me, you know, like Adam, that woman, she was the one, she, yeah. Instead, I said, Lord, you know that situation, you need some movements, Father, you know, you know things, don't need to explain myself to you now, do you understand? And prayer, prayer, share your heart, share your heart to the Lord. Pour your heart out to him, and he will hear you. I remember there was one weekend, there was, it was a Saturday, intense, Friday and Saturday, intensity in terms of my emotions, intensity where there was an issue. And I tell you, I began to call on the Lord. I called on the Lord, and honestly, it's like the Lord was silent, and I was so upset. But I thought, well, I've got to just, where else do I go? Mm. <laughs> I cried out to the, this was in the afternoon. I, Oh God, this, this, and this. God, this, this, and this. That's how it was. God, this, this. I kept on repeating it. God. In the evening, somebody sent me a text. And I read the text. Um, and they said in the text, the Lord has heard your cry. Keep praying. He's listening. I said, Thank you, Lord. So encouraging. Because I just felt like, you know, getting a towel in front. I couldn't even find a towel. Get a towel. Just throw, it. <laughs> just throw, throw the towel in. He's listening. Share your heart. 
The Lord wants to hear what is going on inside so that he can minister to you and give you direction and give you input. The scripture in Psalm 62 verse 8 says this, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour your heart out before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Trust in him. Pour your heart out to him. Also, um, the next point is, learn to pray with your prayer language. In other words, learn to pray in tongues, but then also pray in the understanding. Praying in tongues is a very serious tool that you can use to enable you to break forward, break through and advance. Praying in tongues, okay? The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and uh, verse 14 and 15, it says, for I pray, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is a conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I'll also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I'll also sing with the understanding. Your prayer language is very key to expressing some of the deep things that's in your heart that you don't know how to articulate. <laughs> The scripture says, for we don't know how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Do you understand? He helps us with groanings and sounds which we can't utter with our, with our soul. It comes out of our spirit. He prays through us. And so sometimes you don't have a clue, but if you, if you have received the gift of speaking in tongues, you use it. Use it, because as you're praying, what it does, it builds your spirit man, yeah. causes your spirit man to be refreshed. What it does, it sensitizes your spirit. So then you begin to sense what is the mind of the spirit. That's why praying in tongues um, um, over a long period of time is very good. What it does, it builds you up, building your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Years ago, I heard this man, this pastor, I think he's in West Norwood, around those sides. He prayed for 12 hours, it was on a Saturday, in tongues, at 12 hours. I don't know whether he had tea breaks, I don't know whether he had lunch break, maybe he had a croissant, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> but that's what I heard, you know. So maybe, maybe, maybe there were some gaps, I'm not sure, but for a period of 12 hours, he was praying in tongues. The following day in the service, there was fireworks. Mm -hmm. A man came in who had AIDS prayed for the man and the man was healed from AIDS and it's something that they followed through to make sure you understand fireworks moving in word of knowledge and the power of God was demonstrated listen tongues is a serious weapon that the Lord has given us a serious vehicle all right it strengthens your spirit man See, we're talking about developing your prayer life and these are all the necessary tools that will enable you and help you to advance forward. Now, I want to stop for a bit and then we'll take some questions. And then uh, if we have time, then we can continue to give you some more points. Any questions? Yeah, he, he was first. Yeah, go on. Um, about praying in tongues, you know it says, um, Your tongues as well, or in a, in an environment, in a prayer, in an interpret. 
is that something you would recommend in a personal prayer time to ask God for the interpretation or is that just as and as when he is choosing well the premise is this it is as and when he chooses do you understand it's not something that we can conjure up it's as the spirit gives do you understand me according to you know um, uh, several abilities as the spirit gives so you you can ask for it because scripture talks about how we should um, desire you know, um, spiritual gifts. So you can begin to ask, Lord, Lord, I really want to operate in the prophetic. Or Lord, I really want to operate in um, um, in the ministry of giving tongues in the church. Not, not talking your prayer language. I'm talking the ministry where in a setting, the Holy Spirit chooses to speak to the church through the utterance of tongues and then the interpretation of those tongues. It's insufficient to just have the tongues. That, do you understand? You know, you need to have an interpretation of it. And there are people who have that grace. One will interpret, the other one obviously will give the tongues. So you can ask the Lord. Yeah, I see no reason uh, why, but you, you, it's something that you wait on him to give to you. But you have to understand the primary reason of that gift is to minister out. It's not for, do you understand? <laughs> the primary reason of all those gifts is not for you. You know, Father, thank you for the gift of healing. Mm, I have a headache. In Jesus' name, go. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, are you with me? It was just for you. And then there's others. And just, my friend, take anodine, neurofen, everything. <laughs> Do you understand? You know, it's for others. Do you understand? It's for others. Okay? So if the Spirit of God chooses to enable you to interpret, bonus. Do you understand? But... You know, the Lord has hundreds of other ways he can speak to you, do you understand? Okay? It was very similar to that, actually. Is that the distinction between the gift of the Spirit and speaking in tongues? One is for the edification of the church. The other is for ourselves. Only God understands when we speak in tongues. I mean, if I'm talking to you, you need to understand what I'm saying. The question is that is it necessary for me to understand what I'm saying to you? If it's a gift, if it's a, if it's a prayer language, if it's a language that God understands, then I must trust that God knows because my spirit is praying, but my understanding is it's unfruitful. Unfruitful. Yeah. So it's a two distinction between my spirit praying and communicating with God Almighty, and the other one, which is actually as a direct ministry to the church, to edify the body. You know, so it was exactly Excellent. I wanted you to distinguish between the okay. two, two, and the fact that it wasn't me that took it to the cinema. <laughs> I followed you there, my friend. I followed you there, my friend. You were the one sleeping because you had already watched it. You were sleeping, you know, and then I had to now fight something that you took me to. <laughs> um, any other questions? You guys are coming out with wonderful questions. Um, I forgot to repeat the questions back to you when I answered, so apologies for that. So this one is, what do you do when you have set times and then you begin to pray and you fall asleep? What do you do? Is that what you're saying? Yeah? Yeah, is that all part of it? Or yeah, just expound on that. Yeah, my, my belief that it is definitely all part of it. And so if you find that you are sleeping 
in God's presence. God is not going to say, you are out of order, you. Jensam is not like that. God understands, you know, the scripture says that uh, the, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, but there is distinctions you have to make because there are times when you have something you need to engage with. And if you sleep, you can lose the moment. Do you understand? Okay. But often there will be this sense of, no, this one, I can't sleep. Do you understand? But if generally you're beginning, like you're beginning this journey, do you understand? You're beginning journey and you doze off. God is not going to condemn you. Please, God is not going to condemn you. Um, and so, you know, in that time you sleep, you wake up, you've got two minutes left. You say, Father, I slept. The Lord, you know, bless you. And then, I'm just, yeah, it's fine. Because what used to happen was in the, at lunchtime, when I would go to those churches, I would sleep. Mm. I'll go and, and tired. And then I'm Lord, I'm just, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know those ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, dribble, dribble. And then and then I would sleep. Now two things used to happen. I would sleep for about five, ten minutes, and I wake up fresh. Fresh. I think, wow. At first, I, I slapped myself, come on, stay up. You need to pray. That's what I was doing. But after a while, one time, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even was able to wake up. But when I, you know, for a while, you know, get myself to wake up. So what happened was, when I did wake up, I felt fresh. And then somehow, I felt myself, this is okay. And then, and then I was able to pray. And I noticed the pattern. I said, this is good. And then... What used to happen was I'll doze off and I have visions. I said, my friend, this sleep is good. <laughs> this sleep is good. I'll have visions. You know? One time I was like a year in the Lord. I had visions about like the future. Just by dozing. And so I realized it's part of it. So I would say, do not condemn yourself. Sometimes you, you use it. You know, we have power naps. You're in his presence. Because sometimes the Lord wants you to rest in him. He wants to rest and wants to minister to you. You know, so it's in order. That's cool. Okay. The second part of the question was, Jesus' example, when he was going to be crucified and he was praying, and then he said to them, some of his disciples, well, could you not wait till me one hour? Yeah. Praying, sleeping. You know, and he said to them, one hour. Yeah. So was that the example where you said where it's times where you have to pray? Exactly. Yeah. There are emergency times. Do you understand? There are serious times where you have to be able to discern. But often we're not used to the certain kind of prayer lifestyle. So when that time comes, sleep in my friend, sleep, it's okay, just sleep, 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 sleep. Do you see, we think it's okay when, no, this is a serious time. Remember when Pastor Joe said, you know, woke up and he saw this, this spirit spinning around or whatever, saying, I'm going to do whatever. And he went, oh, I rebuke in Jesus' name. And he went back to bed. And the spirit sort of prodded him and said, that ain't going to do. Get up. <laughs> so he got up, dealt with it, and it was an amazing breakthrough. So there are times where this is emergency, you have to fight. Do you understand? But you see, when you practice prayer, you begin to discern the two and know when 
Jensemi. This is, yeah, the Gethsemane time. Thank you. All right. What about when you start to pray and for some reason you lose words and there's nothing coming out from your word, like nothing? And you're just start, like listening to words from the music and it's still nothing comes out for the whole hour. What do you do then? Groan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends fully of the unique context, but I would say it would be um, your the Lord perhaps not wanting you to be petitioning anymore or supplicating. He just wants you to wait on him because he wants you to, forgive me for putting it this way, because this is a, I still have this problem after 29 years. Um, and for effect, I'll use this word. He wants you to shut up. He wants me to shut up because he wants to speak. One time, I remember years ago, we're in Woolwich Dockyard in a, in a, uh, we're having a workers meeting and oh, the beautiful president Lord Pastor George just finished ministering to the workers and we're worshiping, it was great. And then we, I was worshiping, worshiping. And then I felt inside myself, be quiet. So I stopped, you know, and this is something I wasn't used to. And then I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me clearly. I thought, wow. So sometimes we get in a habit of just praying, 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 praying. Mm -hmm. And we don't understand that praying, an aspect of prayer is listening. You know, it's listening. And so just wait on him. Yeah? Can I? Yeah. I think it's also a sense of maturity as well, in a way, because what you're saying, it's not always that we're always talking, that there's a time that we have to listen. And sometimes, when, even in services, I, uh, yeah, this happened yesterday. I looked at Pastor Philip. When the service was going on, I know I, I, I was going to say this to him personally, but everybody was, you know, and he was standing there quietly with his hands like this, whilst people were jumping up and, and I looked at him and I thought, yeah, that's, he's in tune, he's doing what God is, you know, he's communicating how he should communicate. So that's a sense of, it's a sense of maturity. You know, it's not always that I have to do what she's doing, because she's jumping up and spinning my head doesn't necessarily mean that I've got to follow suit. And in our services and in our lives, we do that generally. We tend to, instead of innovating, we imitate. We tend to copy a lot. And sometimes God has got his own model for you. This is how I want to deal with you. Sometimes, as he said, two ears, one mouth, shut up. Twice as hard, listen. And maybe the Lord wants you to, I said groan. I wasn't joking. Maybe it's time for groaning. Maybe it's a time to just be silent. Maybe it's a time to just listen. Maybe it's time to worship. Yeah. Instead of just talk. Yeah. You know, I hope that's... Yeah. Yeah. And um, just to round off, because obviously when I said um, the word shout out, that could be a bit harsh. But sometimes what the Holy Spirit is doing is part of how he's training us in prayer. Because you're probably saying, Lord, I want to... I, I want more, Lord. So now you're journeying and he's training you on the job. So while you're on a job, you're praying, you say, right, I'm going to help my daughter not to pray now. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, reduce the spiritual vitality in her spirit. So there's nothing so that she can begin to catch that. I want her to just wait on me, you know. And so that's how the Holy Spirit sort of trains us. So what you do is you literally, when that happens, you, you ask the Lord, Lord, there's nothing. What, what do you want me to do? Do you understand? And in between, you're waiting, trying to listen. 
and you're learning. You're not going to get it like this, but you're learning. And because he so enjoys your presence, he has a way, even though it doesn't feel like it, he has a way of molding us and shaping us you know, to be able to press in. All right? Excellent. Um, <clears throat> More questions? Okay. That's a very good question. The question is, when you are, when the Lord breaks you, is it a one-time event or can it happen again? All right. My answer is that it, there are multiple, there are seasons where the, the Lord breaks you. So it's not just once. Because the reason why he's breaking you is because he wants to give you something new, a greater anointing, a greater grace. Do you understand? He wants to remove certain things from you. So as a result of that, he takes you through that process. But because we've never arrived, you know, and so remember, we live life on levels. Okay? That's what the Bible says, from grace to grace and glory to glory. Okay? The scripture talks about how God wants to pour out new wine, but he can't pour it into old wineskins. So he will, want, he will create a new wineskin to pour the new wine in, you know. And I knew... Uh, that, that whole process, because at first, when it happened, it was like a period of months. And I thought, this is excruciating. And then when it came to an end, I thought, okay, I've got through that. I thought, great. I can get on with my life. It was a few weeks later, boom. I said, what is this? I thought, I thought I was finished. And I said, Lord, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I thought we're done with this, you know. But no, then I went through and then it happened. Remember, this was a period of about three years that I was, and I have a little gap. He allowed me to come up for air. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he doesn't want to destroy us. He stretches, he knows how to do it. He will not allow you to go through anything over uh, um, more than what you can bear. And, and then it ended. And then it started. And then it kept doing that. And then I got used to it. So when I said, Lord, I know it's coming. <laughs> I know there's another one coming. So Lord, please give me grace to handle the next phase. Give me grace. And I'll pray into it. Pray into it. Pray into it. And then the one will end. And then I say, she is coming. It's coming. <laughs> and I literally, I'll be waiting for it. It's coming. You know? And then I kept doing it until for a while it stopped. But I know. There's one, there's, yes, because the Lord is molding us in a way to, to, so that he can use us. We need to be pliable in his hands. Yeah. We are battle axe of the Lord. Do you understand? Imagine an axe in God's hand doing his own thing. Do you understand? God wants to be able to use you effectively, accurately. It's like the war horses. Can you imagine a horse? generally is quite sensitive could be in a raging battle and it doesn't care about all the noises all the jostling from the uh, uh other soldiers and mortar flying all over the place and you know uh, you 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 have the oncoming forces are even trying to attack the horse it is ignoring all of that only responding to the movements of the rider mm -hmm. a tug here 
movement of the stirrups on the side. Do you understand? A pull here. And it's responding only to that. That took years, or I'm not sure how long, so let me not just say. But it took a period of time for that horse to be broken, to respond only to the rider's instructions. So, unfortunately, we have multiple breakings. Yeah. Can I ask a question if you can explain to us about the backlash of prayer? So, in other words, um, this is something I've discussed with uh, somebody that the fear is that they get into a position or place of prayer, they war, they fight, uh, something happens in the realm of the spirit, and then there's a backlash. Is that always the case? Is that uh, something that's seasonal? How do we deal with that? Because that can sometimes hinder us from going deeper into the realm that we should go into because we fear the backlash. Does that make sense? It does. So before I answer it, what would your, how would you answer that? How would you, if somebody else asked that question? So the question is this, right? If, some, if you are pressing into God and you're fighting the enemy um, and you get a backlash, what do you do? Do you understand? You know, because sometimes it can discourage you, it can affect you. What do you do next, etc.? Okay, so that's a question. What is backlash? And explain how would you how would you answer that question? Can I give a testimony? Is it okay to give a testimony? Oh my lord! What did she say? Right in the hospital, you know what I mean? Well, you should have said okay, but edit, edit, edit. This is something we've discussed a lot, and it's, it's very important. But um, because of the level of prayer that, not me, but that Karen, because she's part of a prayer group, and they pray with Sharon and the rest of them. Every time that we've gone through a real battle in our lives, where we've had to overcome, there's been some kind of repercussion, to such an extent that the last one was an attempt on our life. And I'm not just saying this lightly, it's not to make us fearful, please. That's why I want to feel to answer this, not me. Is that we're in, it is warfare. You're doing some serious damage in the realm of the spirit. The enemy just doesn't sit back and say, okay, fine, you know, um, right, you've now destroyed my kingdom, okay, please. That's okay, carry on, you know. You must understand that, let him not stand take you lest he fall. That's one of the things. Also, that you can even cast your bread upon the waters. It comes back after many days. There's always some kind of repercussion. How do we deal with that repercussion? First of all, we must understand that it's a possibility that it will happen. Mm -hmm. We must always realize we have to cover ourselves, cover our families with the blood. We always stay under the blood. Mm -hmm. Number two, not to be afraid because we're operating in love. Mm -hmm. Love will cast out all fear. Number three, realizing... It's actually, he's the one that our life is in his hands. Mm -hmm. They couldn't snuff her out. The enemy could not snuff her out. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It is, because I'm having to watch what's happening to my family. It's very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I realize that God's plan and purposes must go forward irrespective mm -hmm. of our own personal lives or the comforts of our life. Do you understand me? Mm -hmm. so, but it's important to, I, I think I wanted Phil to elaborate, that... When we actually teach on these things, that we, we, we teach a good side of prayer. But there's another side of prayer which we have to understand. Behold, the goodness and the severity of God. There's always two sides. And we have to understand 
you know, what do we do in those time periods that we understand that there's a possibility? We are in warfare. We are absolute warfare. And I was saying to Pastor Philip yesterday, if I may, yeah, um, we must know who we are, first of all. We must know where we're at. And then we must know our God. Who, who is he? And how does he fight our battles for us? And then we must know our enemy. And then we must know our weapons. What is he made available to us? So if we have this and we incorporate that in the prayer, in our prayer walk, our prayer journey, when the backlash comes, it's not a surprise. I knew this was coming. I was prepared for it by God's grace. It was an attack on my family, but because, you know, I knew it was coming, I prepared for it. You know, the enemy tried to do this against my child or against my job, against, do you understand me? You're prepared. Because the moment you move out into the realm that he's talking about, it's a very serious realm. It's a wonderful realm, yes, but it's a serious realm. And because we're doing damage in the spirit. You're causing things to happen. You're being creative and possibly even destructive sometimes, destroying the works of the enemy, etc. You know, so, anyway, I'm sorry. Do you get what I mean by that? So, um, if I'm going to add to that, it's, it's like this. Um, when you are, when you are uh, dealing with the enemy in some sort of battle or warfare, or let's say you do some sort of spiritual activity that has gained ground, the enemy is not going to like, oh, bravo. That was marvelous, that was. Awesome. Oh, I, I wish I you know, had that strategy myself. Oh. Do you understand? And then leaves it. No, the enemy is like, eh. Because remember, it's about taking territory. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So there is this battle and it's toe to toe. And that's why it's important, right, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, then you'll be able to handle these spirits. When they come back to you, you'll be able to deal with them. Right? But then also, it's important to have the armor of God in accordance to Ephesians chapter 6. So you are protected. Helmet of salvation, protect your mind. Breastplate of righteousness, protect your, your heart. Do you understand? Okay. Um, then you have your belt of truth. You have your feet shod with preparation of gospel of peace. You have the sword of the spirit. And then the shield of faith. Okay. Do you understand? And so when the enemy comes against you, the... What, what you do is you defend the shield of faith and you stand in him. So backlashes is depending on the kind of warfare that you get into, right, will come. But if you are living right, you know how to apply and use the armor of God, you know that you are covered under the blood of Jesus, you just realize, eh, is that right? Okay. Let's go. And then you give it back. And that's what you do. Can I also say, yes. adding to what has been said, going through that, the Lord showed me who he was. Mm. I saw God in another dimension that I didn't realize. I knew he was all-powerful, omnipotent, but he, he really became a miraculous God to me. Mm. And therefore, it wasn't a matter of fearing what the enemy was doing, but knowing that I was going to go through regardless of what yeah. he did. Mm. His, his, his scare tactics didn't work. It made me think, okay, I've come this far. God has taken me. Where is he going to take He's going to take me all the way. Yeah. So that's what it did for me. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I feel like crying now. I must admit, just thinking about what, what I went through. But there was something that Philip said, is that 
when we went through that situation where, you know, she was called into hospital, they had to take her heart out and all that stuff. The moment that happened that evening, um, I was actually, I went into prayer. But guess what I did? I couldn't even open my, I couldn't say anything. I went before the Lord, I sat down, her dad was, her dad and mum were praying, and I was sitting in the room, and I was going, I went, hmm, hmm, that's all I did. Hmm. I didn't say, you devil, you enemy, I rebuke you, get away from my wife. I, I couldn't, I felt I wasn't, hmm, hmm. And her dad came into the room and said, come, let's pray. I went into the room to pray with my parents, and I went, hmm. That's all I did. But is that grown? God knew what was happening. He heard the because I had no words. Is that I had no words. All I had was tears and and he brought her through with the That's it. Yeah, it was a really, really awesome victory. I guess they haven't paid. The, they, haven't, they haven't paid their bill. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Generator. Yeah. <laughs> I think in this country it would be solar panels. Okay. <laughs> I remember this situation where uh, an individual, some parents were praying for their child. There was issues in, um, you know, the, 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 the school and the, and, and the child's interaction. It was a really, ter really terrible time, you know. And the, every time the parents would pray, the thing would flare up. Every time they prayed, so they thought, mm. <laughs> they thought, mm. <laughs> When they began to, you know, brain pressing in, and then the situation would get worse. So it's a fantastic question about the backlash, you know, because what that in that situation, you think, stuff it. What's the point? What's the point of this? I'm using the power of prayer. I'm using the word of God. I'm holding the shield of it very high. And yet, this situation is getting worse. And anything, you know what, there's no, no point, forget it. But I think in such a situation, it's a question of, Lord, what's happening here? And it could be because you've got to keep pressing in. It could be that. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Do you understand? Because the battle gets intense, you know? And the enemy doesn't want you to overtake. So he's going to be... Knocking you in a corner. You know when you find in boxing or even UFC, what happens? They get them in the corner. And the idea is to keep pummeling you, pummeling you. Keep applying the pressure until there's a KO. Do you see? And so what you have to do, you, you, you have to have wisdom or you just keep on. Or in the sense of wisdom, you say, Father, what's happening here? Perhaps the strategy is wrong. But how do I deal with this, Lord? Do you see? And the Lord may say, no, I don't want you to go pummeling. I want you to worship me. I want you to magnify me. Do you understand? Amen. Great question. Amen. Yeah. No, I mean, it's very interesting, this, this backlash thing. Just want to share quickly as well. Um, that was back in April. I was involved in a car accident where I actually came out of it unscattered. 
but the car was completely mashed up. And if it wasn't for my wife praying in the morning, mm. she felt the urge to pray at that time. Awesome. Mm. Because we were going to a season where we start praying together in the early hours. Mm. So we could see the transformation what's happening. And obviously the enemy didn't like that at all. Mm. And she felt the urge to pray in the morning. And as I was getting, they were getting me out of the car, I called her and she revealed to me that the Lord asked me to pray this morning. And she didn't know what was happening. And I think those backlash, it show us that when we get backlash, number one, we are in the right direction, we're on the right path, especially when we're actually praying and, and giving ourselves to prayer. And when the enemy doesn't like it, it will, it will counteract. But we are on the right track. And this is why when you said about, we have to keep pressing, we have to keep pushing them until the breakthrough come. I completely understand that. Because the enemy can always only attack you if you disturb him. Because as you said, it's by taking territory, it's by kingdom. So if he said that you're going to be destroying his kingdom, he's going to get you. Mm -hmm. But in that sense, it doesn't mean that, okay, he's fearful, but you've got to keep pushing, keep pressing. Because what God's, what God's got in store for you is much greater. There's a scripture that I always remember is, who is in you is greater than who is in the world. And that's speaking of having the Holy Spirit in us is greater than the, the, greater the devil who is in the world. So we've got to keep pushing in prayer. Yeah. Excellent, and excellent. Just, just one thing just came to me very quickly. Is that I might as well get into do this to talk, <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> just, just, You know? Just, just you're not sorry, you're not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is just to, I just felt this that I had to say because we don't want any fear. Yeah. I don't want anyone to be fearful in there. Because remember, Job, always remember Job. Yeah. Always remember Job. When you feel fearful, remember Job. Mm -hmm. The enemy went, and he touched every single thing, even sort of boiled boils on his, but could not touch his life. Because God is the one that holds our life in his hands. The enemy had to come to the Father to ask permission to touch him. So whatever we go through, the backlash and whatever else, is because God the Father is given permission. But he controls our life. He holds our life. Jesus the man of Calvary. You know, me and Joe used to sing that song. It's a long story. <laughs> please don't tell us. No, so, so please, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't, I, I'm, I feel I must say this. Please don't be. Remember Job. Remember Job, you know? God holds. Like, it's excellent. This is excellent, but don't be afraid. Amen? Amen. I endorse that. I endorse that. Um, I'm going to end with this, all right? There's some other points. I want to end with this because... Um, when I was um, uh, when I was looking at this, the bit that came to me towards the end was this: go on prayer retreats. Okay, it is it's one of the most brilliant ways that will help you in developing your prayer lives. All right, because there's so much distraction. Have you noticed while we're here? You've forgotten a lot about what's going on there. And it's only because it's hundred odd miles, you can't do much. <laughs> but it's really great, you know. You've forgotten, do you see? And then it helps us to focus, you know. And as soon as you get back, there's mail at the doorstep. Do you understand me? There's this you have to do, that you have to do. Now, now if you want to really be serious, and I believe all of us want to be serious about our prayer lives, go on prayer retreats. A prayer retreat is when you take 
at two days or more, all right, where you go to one of these centers similar like this, okay, and you are just there, you know, with yourself or with a, a group that are praying, and then you go and you just spend time with the Lord. Do you understand? Now, it can vary in what you want to do. You can, it could be a fasting one, all right, where you fast right through. Or it can be one where, let's say, for example, you, you eat normally, all right? But you're spending time unhindered with the Lord. I want to encourage you. Jesus did this. The scripture says he went to a mountain and there he would pray and spend time with the Father. Jesus, when he was making some serious decisions, he would pray all night. He prayed all night. And then when the disciples came, right, then he chose 12 amongst the group. There was one guy, I heard this story, a really powerful story. Um, and it, this is a, 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 a couple in, in Ghana. And the guy lost his job. He's a believer, lost his job and everything. And he just, there was no opening, didn't know what to do. And so he said, I've got to find out from God what's going on. So he decided to pray. And he, every day, he would take a jug of water and he would go to, I think, Achimata Forest. And from nine, he would pray all day to five. He did it every single day. Go in there, praying with his jug of water. Months into it, his wife said, honey, it's enough. God has heard you. God, come on, honey. He looked and he said, if God has heard me, I will see the answer. I've not heard, I've seen no answer, so guess what? I'm continuing. So he kept on, after nine months of this, the baby came. Yes, he gave birth. And God visited him. Powerful visitation. From that point, come and see the prophetic. His ministry took off to another level. The prophetic was moving. Now he comes in and, you know, the, the, the prophetic is flowing and he's moving in the power of God because of that period. There's this Nigerian guy who uh, went to Ukraine, had the largest church in the Ukraine. Largest, 20,000. And when he went out there, he's tried to start, you know, very few black people. Tried, I, we went there when he had this fasting uh, um, um, session. I've got to look at the time. And come and see. Pastor Joe, Pastor John, myself, and Andrew, Pastor Andrew Q. We went to the Ukraine, and they had, they have two periods of fasting in the year. Summer fast, winter fast. We went, went into the summer fast. Hey, come and see, thousand people. They'll start early in the morning, eight, nine. These guys will not finish till two, three in the morning. Wow. And the difference will come up, lead, awesome. 20,000 member church. He started off, he had a few. And obviously, they weren't really into black people over there. He would be called Monkey and all of these names. And what he did was, he was struggling to, after the calling, after his calling to get a church started. So he said, he said to his wife, I'm going to seek God. I'm not coming out until God speaks to me. Do not disturb me. I don't want to speak to anybody. He went in, I don't know if it was one week or two weeks, and he locked himself and began to pray, 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 pray. The, and then Jesus appeared to him and gave him a strategy. Go and help the people who are, you know, destitute. So he began to help those who were drunkards, those who were on drugs, etc. Began to come, the power of God came, he ministered, they were free. Came off drugs, came off uh, uh, drink, etc. And then before long, their families are thinking, 
How did you change? That church. So the family started coming before long. 20,000 member church. Prayer. And guess what? The Lord has put seeds of prayer inside of us. And a seed will grow and germinate. It will germinate and it will grow into a plant and then develop and then it will feed others. Let me prophesy that time will come where you will be inspiring others to pray. Amen. Amen. Because they'll be enjoying the fruit of your ministry of prayer. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Shall we stand? We've got one, well, it's exactly, well, we've got one minute left. I want us to just pray, ask God to help us. But first of all, let's ask the Lord to, uh, let's ask the Lord to forgive us for any spirit of prayerlessness that's in our lives. And then begin to say, Father, I receive the spirit of prayer once you've re- repented. Come on, pray out now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for seeing our state, our position, and Lord, we do say, yes, we we are in poverty, but we look to your riches. And so we ask, Father, for a fresh grace to come upon us the spirit of grace and supplication to rest on us. Give us this fresh anointing so that, Lord, we can pursue you and we can grow in this area and in this ministry and we can have intimacy with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen.